Welcome to Political People, the podcast where we take a peek behind Uncle Sam's polished veneer and explore who politicians are as human beings. We hold the gotcha questions and throw talking points out the window to focus on what makes our public servants unique and inspiring individuals. I'm William Haynes, and this is Political People. I'm tired of politicians who talk about family values and don't value families. What a greeting. This is like winning an Oscar, as if I would know. I'm so old-fashioned that I believe in horsewhip. Part of the beauty of me is that I'm very rich. And now, my friends, in a phrase I want to address to others, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. On this season of Political People, we're focusing on the Big Five a group comprised of the mayors of Alabama's five largest and most influential cities. In our first episode, we talked to Todd Strange, the mayor of Montgomery, about the creation of the Big Five, dinner at the governor's mansion, gun control, and his upcoming retirement. Mayor Strange has been the mayor since 2009, making him Montgomery's 56th mayor. Let's jump right in. We were in Birmingham at a BCA meeting, and uh, we ran into each other in the lobby before we went in for dinner. And then Tommy Battle came in and uh, William Bell came in. And so we were all there and everybody was congratulating Sandy for being elected. Mm -hmm. He and I had talked a bit before about what's it like to be in the business and then to get into politics and, you know, how do I like politics and all that kind of good stuff. And so when we met, he said, you know, we really do need to try to pick your brain and everything. Mm-hmm. And so by that time, everybody asked me, I said, well, why don't we pick each other's brain? And we started this deal, happened to have the first one down at uh, Choctaw Bluff, and uh, we named it right then, Big Five. I love that. And uh, it's been a marvelous way to uh, just to be in a position to talk about the good, the bad, and sometimes the ugly, and mm-hmm. how we've dealt with that. And, um, but that was only four of us, if you count it right. And we didn't want to have anything look like that we were trying to break away from the League of Municipality because mm. that's a pretty prestigious group. Right. There's 450 mm-hmm. you know, members or cities or towns. Uh, but most of them are 10, 12, 15,000, mm-hmm. and their issues are some different than what ours is. So we didn't want to alienate them, so we looked and saw who the fifth most populous was. It had to be Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and lo and behold, Walt Maddox was the president of the League of Municipalities. <laughs> Bingo! Yeah. <laughs> so that's how we got to be the, the Big Five. I uh, love that. Along the way. So can you tell me a little bit about Big Five? Like, is there any story that sticks out to you or any, any major benefit or any meeting that was especially useful? Well, obviously, the inaugural one was uh, an interesting one. We've had several that uh, center around subject matter issues. Uh, We've had our finance directors together on a number of uh, meetings on this SSUT scenario because the counties have always uh, done a better job of lobbying and getting uh, revenues to them uh, versus where it really, uh, from a standpoint of utilization, whether it be infrastructure, uh, tax money coming back, or whether it be the SSUT, uh, internet sales tax money coming back uh, to us. Um, so we've had finance directors, uh, crime's always an interesting uh, conversation because we've all had our individual situations where police officers have shot uh, other uh, citizens, particularly if you get a white on black uh, situation. We've all had those, and so it's always good to share how 
you handle not the investigation, but just the community aspect of that. A lot of this has to do with legislation and Mm -hmm. things that happen at the legislature. Um, I'm not going to say that they're not well-meaning, but so so often they pass uh, legislation that's unfunded mandates to us and just try to control Mm -hmm. things that are going on in our cities that really are difficult for us. And we've pushed back. I mean, I remember uh, many years ago, five or so, Uber, when Uber came up. And we were individually dealing with Uber uh, in the communities. And so we met with the leadership at the House and the the Senate. And um, some of them wanted Uber elsewhere. So we agreed to be the the trial and kind of work some things out. And then it's just sort of natural that it went to other places. Because if you think about it, if you're a Mobile or a Montgomery, you don't want just Uber in your your own town. You want to be able to get Prattville and Wetumpka whether it be Fairhope or whether it be Citronelle or right. you name it, you want to get them into your city spending money. Mm-hmm. One of the more significant meetings that we've always uh, had uh, every few months or a few meetings, which is generally once a month, the elected leadership, whether it be at the attorney general level, the governor level, uh, lieutenant governor, uh, director, DOT director has been a significant one uh, uh, to, to, to be with us. But I guess the, the one that was... Uh, the most significant meeting was when we had um, it here in Montgomery during the legislative session um, for the infrastructure. And we met with the governor, had lunch, uh, dinner with her at the mansion, kind of planned a little strategy because we were all in right. uh, on that because it's so helpful <clears throat> to us. But again, the issue wasn't so much an infrastructure tax. It was how the proceeds were going to be split. Mm-hmm. And under the old formula, we were getting 10%. Hmm. The cities were getting right. 10%. So that didn't seem fair to us when 70% of the, of the highway uh, mm-hmm. was in, a, in an urban area. So um, all of them have had their uh, individual uh, successes. Uh, the last one uh, that we just had a couple, of, uh, three weeks ago uh, with the plus five, uh, I had a chance to uh, ride up with the Dothan mayor. I mean, it's great to get to know these people. Mm-hmm. Some of them are part-time and when I say part-time, that means they're only paid part-time. Mm-hmm. In Alabama, I think I'm correct, this may not be the specifics, but the order of magnitude is, if you have over a set population, I think it's 100,000, you can't have a city manager. Mm-hmm. Only populations right. less than that can be mm-hmm. have a city manager. The truth of the matter is, not everybody that's an elected politician is a good manager. Right. And so it's helpful to have professionals that are doing mm-hmm. that, and the mayor, it's kind of the budget, visionary, mm-hmm. you know, the leader of the pack. Right. Um, I personally wouldn't want it because I'm kind of a in-charge kind of guy, you know, with the Rule 13 that Norman Schwarzkopf, I'm a proponent of it. He said, when put in charge, take charge. Well, if I'm in charge as a mayor and the police chief doesn't report to me or the fire chief doesn't report mm-hmm. to me, the finance manager doesn't report to me, I mean, what am I, you know, right. chairman of the board, I guess it is. So. Yeah. Um, but the, the Big Five brought a, a different and significant perspective to that particular meeting. So I think that was a good meeting, too. Mm-hmm. And I think without exception, the Plus Five uh, enjoyed it and thought it. And I think we're going to take another step and uh, make that uh, at least as permanent as they wanted to make it. Okay, so tell me about y'all's last meeting when you went 
to the uh, governor's mansion for dinner. Just tell me what that's like. You like walk in and do you go through like security or <laughs> <laughs> like everybody just knows who you are? So yeah. well, open the doors yeah. or? Being in Montgomery, uh, we know the governor. Uh -huh. I'm at the mansion with some frequency, not every week, of course, or even every mm -hmm. month, but there are meetings and dinners and occasions that, that I'm there. So I'm fairly accustomed to it. But um, as a general statement, on that particular night, uh, you know, you, you go through the, the security at the gate getting in the, when you get in the car, mm -hmm. uh, they drive in and they've got a parking spot, so they, they check you there. And um, some state trooper will meet you and uh, will escort you in uh, to the mansion. And generally the governor, chief of staff, and in this case, they had a few other folks uh, there, uh, legislative leadership was mm -hmm. there. So it's generally an opportunity for a social time. Uh, they'll pass out some endurance. There's a chef over there that that um, prepares Alabama home oh. products. It's always a theme of mm -hmm. Alabama. It'd be oysters or crops or meat or mm -hmm. whatever, fish, that kind of stuff. So they pass that. And then uh, she's got an elegant, beautiful, beautiful table uh, that uh, maybe could seat 18 to 20 or something mm -hmm. like that. And, She's got her place, and there are name cards around, and yeah. so you you sit and um, dinner served, and the conversation is is uh, uh, happens around the table. Yeah. Uh, the most significant conversation that I've had around this governor's table is the F-35. When we were uh, trying to get the F-35, we had the chief of staff of the Air Force, we had the secretary of the Air Force, we had the three star from Maxwell, we had staff and we had congressional delegate. I mean, we had a big, a big entourage and that was one of those make or break mm -hmm. evenings. The uh, Secretary of Commerce, of course, was there. It's one of those make or break evenings. And evidently we did a decent job of convincing them that, you know, Montgomery right. ought to be the home so we were able to get that. Uh, I had another dinner at the governor's mansion, not as mayor, but uh, as the ADO director when we did Hyundai and having uh, the Koreans around that particular table. Um, was fairly uh, uh, stiff. <laughs> Nobody speaks <laughs> Korean. Koreans right. don't really speak English except through interpreters. But uh, so, will this next meeting be your last with the? Big it will. Family? Yeah, it, uh, we're going to do it. I leave on November the twelfth, okay. about ten oh five. But I'm still going to be chairman of the board of University of Montevallo. Going back on some boards I had to get off of because of mm. mayoral conflicts. So I'll still be engaged. Right. But uh, bite my tongue if you ever hear me criticize anything that happens in this office after I leave. I heard George Bush say it one time, and I, I just always remembered. Somebody asked him, some media asked him, said, well, what do you think of President Obama? What do you think about this city? What do you think? He said, the office deserves my silence. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be my uh, modus operandi, and I just hope I can stay to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if your wife was sitting here what would she about say about this experience of you being mayor? I mean, has I know that she hasn't been as involved as some maybe, but of course it's had an impact because it's had an impact on you. Yeah. We will do uh, a lot more than mm -hmm. we've been able to do as a family together. Mm -hmm. Like just three weeks ago, five, well, two months ago, we spent uh, a week uh, in France as a family. Never done that. Wow. Do you think it, uh, either of your kids or... or Sons-in-law will run for office ever? No, I don't think so. Um, 
both of my sons-in-law, one owns an artificial limb business, sold it recently to uh, an Icelandic company. He's into, uh, he's into rotary. He's, he's been the rotary president. I think he's going to be the district governor or something like that. Uh, I don't think politics is in him, but you know, if you're going to do those kind of things, you've sort of got a little bit of it. My, gr- uh, my other son-in-law is an attorney at Hyundai, so he's making a ton of money. He couldn't afford to do this. <laughs> uh, my youngest daughter, who is uh, financially astute, uh, runs the business that they sold to's southeast region. And she goes all over from Charlotte to Nashville to Dallas, everything in between running the business side of, mm. of that equation. And then my uh, oldest daughter is a very good organizer and she's sort of the, the family go-to person to mm. get stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> kind of so I don't see them uh, yeah. involved in politics. Gotcha. So tell me how, uh, which I think would be interesting for anybody that follows you as well, but how do you think about finishing strong here and sort of setting up the office for the next person, passing along whatever, you know, sort of institutional knowledge you have, all of that? Yeah. What we spent the last few years on is getting the right people in place. I think um, directionally, we've got things moving in a good direction. But we've got a good organization. It works. Um, somebody comes in, uh, you know, they, they got different thoughts. That, that's fine. Yeah. And they may take different directions. The one thing that's out there that we've not been able to uh, figure out is education. You know, mm-hmm. we tried to have a city school system. Uh, we tried to, to uh, be at the table with things, but that there's a seven-person elected board that just keeps on pushing back because they don't want to control us, even though city and local, city and county, give them about $35 million a year, mm-hmm. which is about 10% of the entire budget. But you would think that we were trying to feed them poison or something like mm-hmm. that because nobody appreciates the fact that so goes education, so goes our city. Right. Just yesterday... Just yesterday, you've got a, a lead school, I mean, a, a, a charter school, statewide charter school in Mobile, right? Right. It's a public school, right? Mm-hmm. We have a statewide charter school in Montgomery, just opening next Monday. Mm-hmm. It's a charter school, it's a public school. Well, they wanted to contract with the public school system, it was going to make 25% profit mm-hmm. by providing lunches for about 250 kids. They turned them down. It's ridiculous. Now, we're under intervention, so what I do? I call the state superintendent and said, what's going on? Mm. Well, good news is, about an hour later, he overturns that, that ruling, so now we're gonna provide it. But it's that kind of leadership that we don't have at right. the local board, so regretful, and if you go to any of these debates, it's education, it's education, it's education, and it has to be education, education, education. Now, what can a mayor do? I wish I knew because I'd have done it eight years ago. Yeah. We got the millennials of the crowd uh, that, that, real, uh, that elected four new leadership uh, people, got the right people in place, got four votes. One of those votes voted against us last night. Mm. Uh, there's no loyalty in these days anymore. <laughs> so, so maybe that, it's time for you to run for the school board? Well, that's what Mike... Uh, um, Schmidt did in Mobile. Mm-hmm. I mean, in uh, Dothan, excuse me, in Dothan. He was the pre- uh, mayor, part-time mayor, but he then ran. Uh, let me ask you a question about um, something that's hot topic. I know I told you I wasn't going to ask about hot topics, but 
nationally, I can, right? I can duck it if I have to. You absolutely can. Uh, but you're, you're on the tail end, so you can also speak tell frankly. You, tell you the truth. <laughs> so, you edited this, right? Yeah. Hot topic nationally, but is probably felt most acutely at the local level, which is gun violence. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it seems like it's cropped up right now. It's suddenly there's, you know, maybe bipartisan support for something to do with gun violence. Um, you know, as a mayor of a city that's experienced its fair share of gun violence, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Any and everything that we can do to take illegal guns off the streets, we should. Mm. Having said that, every legal gun turns into an illegal gun when it gets stolen. Right. I just mentioned the fact that we had five uh, shootings last night. Uh, it was multiple weapons. Um, gun control is a federal issue. And so we uh, worry about the fact that there's proliferation of guns and it does take its toll at the local level. To show you how dumb gun control is, there's a state law that says government, meaning local government, funds or resources cannot be used to do a gun buyback program. I found that out three years ago when we were going to have a, a big organized gun buyback program both in the schools and in the community and anywhere from $100 to $500, depending upon the caliber of the, the weapon, uh, was uh, going to be given. We had been on TV publicizing, along with the sheriff, along with the district attorney, police chief, et cetera. I get word 12 hours before the program that it's against the law in the state of Alabama. Mm. I knew Steve Marshall, so I called him. I found him up uh, in uh, North Alabama, and he says, you gotta be kidding. And I said, what'd they tell me? So he said, let me check. He called me back about two hours. He said, you're right, you're right. Now he's a staunch Republican, mm -hmm. probably an NRA member, but that's the height of stupidity that mm -hmm. you can't try to do something to get guns off the street. Right. So what do we do? Well, we have it, but we turned it over to Crime Stoppers. Just, mm -hmm. just maybe we should have done that to start with. We didn't think about it, but I can't use any city money to do that. Right. So I go to the community foundation and I get $10,000 committed to the community foundation to do that. 147 guns mm. we got turned in, got off the street. We had also counseling there for mental health. I mean, it was a, a big deal. Mm -hmm. It was one of the most successful, and we've done it at least once and maybe even twice. And then we had another program that if a parent or another kid anonymously turned in a kid at the school, that was worth $500 wow. or $300, some, some number. And... Uh, it was successful. So I am not about to get into your Second Amendment rights, but nobody needs an AK-47 out on the street. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to have weapons of mass destruction 
um, out there. And background checks, you know, gun shows, it's a farce to be able to, to, uh, to do that. Now I see that the Congress is thinking about doing something, but they're going to make a number of exceptions, and those exceptions are going to be able to uh, be a family member. Well, what's a family member? Is the kissing cousin, you know, in yeah. the South, a family member? I don't, I don't know. But um, we pay the consequences, and in the, in the United States of America citizens pay the consequences. I'm not for removal of handguns at all, mm-hmm. but to be able to sell an AK-47, to be able to sell a, a, a gun to a convicted felon, to be able to, to have one that's uh, uh, a known mental patient, there ought to be some stop gaps. Mm-hmm. And there ought to be harsher penalties for those that have them and that uh, get caught with them. Mm-hmm. Now, did I say that on the record? Strongly enough? You did. (laughs) And I think generally you will find that at these local levels. Nobody wants to take your rights away. Right. But we've got to take the guns off the street. The violence is is just so great. And there are too many copycats. Every one of these, as I read it, is copying somebody else's cat that's, that's out there. And because what you want to do in law enforcement and local government, when there's a shooting like last night, you want to you want you want to tell the truth, but you want to be able to say that is not a random act. They knew each other. They had a group uh, a grief. It was a drug deal gone bad. Somebody's trying to steal somebody. Whatever. And 99 percent of all of those type of cases will be just that uh, drug related. I, we've had we've had uh, teenagers shoot each other over the color of socks that they were wearing. We had one that two kids spent the night uh, at a house, went out and robbed all night, came back at six o'clock in the morning, trying to divide the loot and couldn't decide who, who ought to get what in the loot, and shot each other dead. I mean, that is so tragic. Mm. It's just tragic. Mm-hmm. See, if those stories out there could be told, you'd change. And the headlines in the paper yesterday or even this morning when I was uh, glancing at them, the the dialogue of El Paso and um, Dayton is it Dayton? I mean, the dialogue of those two very tragic. It's it's fading. Mm-hmm. It's fading. Um, nothing will happen. Mm. It'll go on till the next one happens, mm. wherever that is. Mm. Yeah, that is tragic. Um, now, oh. let me ask you a question. Oh no, <laughs> you're a millennial. I am. What do y'all think about it? Because you're the one that, that that's going to make a difference. Yeah. It's not us. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the party line, if you will, is uh, obnoxious and hurtful, like realistically hurtful. You know, I mean, people die. So I'm in favor of some gun controls. I think obviously there's, you know, that's a fine line um, with the Second Amendment. But, you know, we've had gun control before. We were all fine. Did away with it, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. And then we did away with it. And now it's now we talk about it like, can you, I mean, we'd go to hell in a handbasket if we had any yeah. gun control. But it was here during the 90s, we were fine. Crime w- went down. Why would we not be in favor of common sense solutions now? The, the, the true reason that crime is up, or at least the violent crime, the gun crime is up, is... There, there is a prolifera- proliferation of 
guns, but as importantly, everybody knows about it mm-hmm. now. And it appears that way. People hear about it. People got mental health issues. It triggers some, some response. And lots of this is in response to that scenario. Mm-hmm. To have the audacity to go put body armor on and just go out on a Sunday afternoon and start shooting. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give your successor in regards to working with the council? Don't take them for granted. Uh, You have to meet them at some meeting point, whether it's halfway or little ways or more ways, because what they will find out, my successor is, the citizens hold the mayor and the mayor's office responsible. The city council is the legislative body. The mayor is the administrative executive part of the body. Well, they forget about that piece because the mayor is, in fact, the person that's out there in front. And that's why we have three people in 311, another three or four people that answer all the calls of things coming in. Sometimes, uh, if you've got a, a, a city councilman worth their salt, city council person worth their thought, salt, they will be in their homeowner association. They'll be trying to do things, and they'll be trying to work with our office mm-hmm. to try to jointly do projects. To give you a pretty good example, if the city council wants to get some retail in his district, he's got a district that's a, a pretty uh, uh, tough district uh, because retail is gone. And sometimes it comes back, but in this particular case, it doesn't. It didn't and hadn't. But even though we've incentivized, well, we're working to come up with one hundred fifty thousand dollars to hire a retail specialist, a well-known Buxton group who's been in Mobile, by the way, um, to help us uh, identify certain uh, industries or certain uh, retailers that might come into a secondary market. Um, and so we're working together. The mayor's office is coming up with some money. A couple of the city council people are coming up with some money. So you, you, mayor does not take them for granted. They all have their issues. They are political animal just like you are. Never try to show them up. Work with them. Try to uh, give them some leeway. Another, for instance, the previous mayor wouldn't allow a city council person to talk direct to any of the department heads. Had to come through the mayor's office. Well, I ain't got time for that. Mm-hmm. Now, under Act 618, they can't direct the activities. Right. So when it comes up to getting close to the direction, I might have a little conversation. But you've got to work with the council. Mm-hmm. You've just got to work with the council to uh, make sure you, you never want your disputes in public. Uh, Mobile's, uh, um, um, Sandy will tell you that's one of the failures there, that it's not uh, public. I mean, it is public. It, we try to, to get them, um, and you got to work at it because you can't have a closed meeting. Uh, so I'm spending a lot of time one-on-one, mm-hmm. maybe two-on-one with some individuals to try to talk through. I rely a lot on the president of the city council, who's a good friend of mine. Matter of fact, you know, quick story, um, when it came known that Bobby Bright was leaving, Charlie was Charlie Jenner. I was thinking about running, and you know I was thinking about doing it. 
And Jim Ridlin is the third member of a worldwide golf group that we go play. We were at Pronghorn, uh, Oregon. And it was the day the governor called me to see if I would ask Jim if he would be the insurance commissioner. Um, that's a whole nother story, but that night after a few bottles of wine, Charlie Jen right now on the back porch, and we got talking about who's going to be the mayor. And we said, well, why don't we just flip for it? And so we did, and I lost. <laughs> so I had to run. <laughs> so he's a, a good friend. Yeah, he's a good friend, and uh, I rely on him a lot to yeah. take care of the council, to yeah. be our intermediary. But I, I, you know, I work with them a lot. Work at it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you got to work at it. Well, we're almost out of time, uh, so we finish up every every podcast with rapid fire questions. Yeah. So I'm just going to ask quick questions, and you can have some quick answers. Okay, uh, what's the most trouble you got into as a child? Oh, the last time, and the yeah, the last time my mother tried to whip me, and I took the switch out of her. <laughs> switch out of her. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was about 15 years old, and we were riding around blowing horns with this loudspeaker, and, and somebody called, and police came on a little motorcycle and stopped us and, and uh, told us to quit doing it. And the guy that was older than me said, I mean, we want to see you hop on that motorcycle and run all of us in, and he did. <laughs> Mama! <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, your favorite dessert? Oh, that's an easy one. Cream Carmel. Cream Carmel. It's an English dessert that's got a consistency of flan, mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, cream brulee is a little different, but cream caramel is my favorite dessert. Favorite music? You know, I love uh, uh, Michelli, um, that kind of classical. He, he does uh, uh, My Prayer. Uh, I listen to that all the time. And, and just an aside, the guy that runs our housing codes, uh, he's a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy, uh, Jerry, um, what's Jerry's? Russell. For some reason, that came up. And after our meeting, he came over to me and he said, you know, I, I walk around, and he does around uh, Montgomery. He listens to Pacelli. He gave me a, a tape of Pacelli just in the last month or so. I love that. It's, it's really interesting. That kind of, but I love Bucelli. Mm -hmm. I love John, uh, John um, Legend. Uh, I love uh, Celine Dion. I, I love that music. Mm -hmm. Favorite movie? Uh, it's got to be one of the World War II, whether it be Midway or Longest Day or Patton. You know, some of those I watch them over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mountains or beach? Well, I like the mountains. My wife likes the beach, so uh, we're... We got a couple of places that we go to at the beach, and we got great friends that got places up at the mountain. I got daughters that got lake places, so yeah, you're covered. <laughs> we're trying to blend it all. But <laughs> she's a beach person, so if, uh, as she say, I'm gonna be at the beach if you want to cohabitate with me this weekend. I'll see you at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Mornings or nights? Yeah, I'm a morning person. She's a night person. We have a hard time. <laughs> uh, do you prefer text messages or email? You know, I, I'm come see, come saw. I guess text is kind of easier, but either one. Mm -hmm. But I, I'd rather talk to somebody in person. Yeah. I, my kids, you know, text me, and, and I'm trying to keep up, and everybody's talking. I'm out. 
<laughs> Let's talk. Yeah. I can get four or five on the line. When we were on our France trip, they came up with uh, uh, what's up? Or what's up? What's up? Yeah, something like that. So we were all on that what's up. I got so freaking confused, <laughs> confused on that deal. I mean, they're saying this and that and that. Finally, I did. I'd stick my head out in the hall because we had rooms around it. I'd knock on the door and say, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your favorite city other than Montgomery? It may be San Francisco. Only because when I was with Blunt, I had a project out there in Modesto, California, and also up in Santa Rosa. And for about a month, uh, a week a month, for three years I was out there. I learned it uh, pretty good, pretty good time. I can I can love anywhere yeah. where I am. Awesome. Well, great. Well, I know that you're a busy man, and we want to be sensitive to your schedule. So you're thank kind. you so thank much. You. I appreciate it. This has been awesome. I hope that uh, you can mine something out of there worth mining. Make sure to keep up with the upcoming mayoral runoff in Montgomery on October 8th to see who will step into Mayor Strange's shoes. Next week, we'll dive in with Mayor Walt Maddox, the mayor of Tuscaloosa. Political People is created and hosted by me, William Haynes. The podcast is produced by myself and Joel Sappington, and this episode was recorded, mixed, and edited by Joel Sappington. Intro music by Rex Banner. Episode music by Offren and Kick Lee. Big thank you to Mayor Strange and his team for giving us their time. Special thanks to Wendell Kimbrough and friend of the show, Unity Fiber. You can find more episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'd love it if you would rate, review, and share this so that others can check out what we're doing. If you have a connection to a politician that would like to be on our show, please email us at politicalpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. I'll see you next time. Until then, don't forget to love on your politicians. They're people just like you.